What if the Bible were never written? What impact has this book had on human history and particularly on the American experience? It figured in the history of our land and in the founding of this nation, not only in the primary documents, the Constitution, the Declaration of Independence, but take the Constitution of each state and you'll find over and over again the God of the Bible being referenced. In the common, normal, everyday sense, a book in a particular worldview captured this nation and has been a part of its founding and of its experience all through now these centuries. Over the last 40, 50, 60 years, great enemies fight against a biblical world of you for different reasons, some misled and misguided, others very intentionally trying to undermine the truth of this book. So we're in a battle. This nation has taken giant steps away from the principles that are explained and clarified in the Bible. And we are suffering the consequences, a tightening of the news, a judgment of God upon this land, crime, our economy, our homes and our families, our public policies and morality in our international relations. There are difficulties and hardships that we are experiencing right now because we have abandoned the worship of the true and living God, the God that is revealed and who calls out to us from this book called the Bible. What if the Bible had never been written? The principles of the scriptures, they've been incorporated into public policy, into laws all throughout history, whether it's in the ancient Egyptian empire or the Aramean empire, the Assyrian empire where Jonah went up and preached. You can talk about Babylon, the Medo-Persian empires, Greece, the Roman empire, and so on and so on. All through these times, the message of the true and living God has impacted history altogether. Now, when there began to be a written record of God's word and of these principles, that continued to have a great impact. 400 B.C. was when the canon of the Old Testament was finished. But before that, even, there were circulating the Torah, five books of Moses, the books of history, Samuel, the time of the kings, the prophets, chronicles written by Ezra after the exile. These books came together. They were recognized. They were copied. They were transmitted with incredible attention to accuracy. God reveals himself and the truth about our human existence. And in that context, he reveals the plan of redemption that he has set out for human beings to come into a relationship with God and then to have their lives transformed. And as we know, changed lives are what change the world. We can see the Bible in morality. We can see the Bible in society, the Bible in our understanding of law and the principles of law, that no one is above the law, that all of us are equal under the law. The Bible speaks to that. And if we hold to that, it blesses a society. The Bible in politics. What couldn't we say there, right? The Bible in the founding of our nation. How about the Bible in science? Not only in classical sciences of the past, Galileo, Newton, Pasteur, even over these last 50 years with such great advances. Theology at one time was the queen of the sciences because it was the unifying universal foundation of the sciences. Sciences were based on the fact of laws. There's a regularity. There is an order to this world in which we live. The Bible in literature, not only literature, but in all of art, sculptures or painting or music, in all of artistic endeavors, the Bible, the message of God's Word, how it has figured, how many times it is referenced, language, how the Bible impacts just everyday language. Often people use phrases and ideas and thoughts and quotes from the Bible that they didn't even know. Jimmy Carter used the phrase, born again. Reporters had to rush to their computers to find out, what does this mean? It was a reference from the scriptures. Jesus talked about, unless a man be born again, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. There are all kinds of phrases that have made their way into the English lexicon. 
an eye for an eye and a tooth for tooth. The scapegoat, am I my brother's keeper? Sin in the camp, come now, let us reason together, people would sometimes say at a business meeting. Spare the rod, spoil the child. Go the second mile from the Sermon on the Mount. The meek shall inherit the earth. Blessed are the peacemakers, a salt of the earth kind of person, a city on a hill. We hear that a lot because Reagan quoted it. Every jot, every tittle, turn the other cheek. Don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. That's a biblical phrase. Our daily bread can't serve two masters. On and on you could go. How about the calendar? The calendar itself now is divided, A.D. and B.C., around the life of Messiah. You can see the impact of God's Word on the church, the growth of the people of God and the forms it has taken, but also the church and missions. Since the time of Gutenberg, the Bible has been translated into 2,123 languages and dialects, taking the message of the gospel to people groups all over the world. Just little old soapy dollar myself in my lifetime, in the last 40 years that we've been involved with this particular ministry of Campus Crusade for Christ, Suzanne and I, just two kids from West Texas, been able to travel all over Europe through 15 to 20 countries of Europe, carrying the message of redemption and salvation and impacting the lives of young people there through music as we toured with the music group and through planting our life in Belgium and Spain, preaching and proclaiming the message all across Europe. And since then, of course, to Moscow, to Kazakhstan, to Ukraine, former Soviet republics, down into Latin America, Honduras and Mexico, over into India, Mongolia, Singapore, Hong Kong, into Beijing, into Red China itself, taking the message of the gospel. And not only just me personally, but also through our support of other ministries and missionaries that we support through our giving, being able to impact our world with the message how the Bible has impacted the world because of world missions. What if the Bible were never written in your life? How has it impacted and changed your life experience? Right now, let's go and talk to Dennis. Dennis is on the line with me tonight. And Dennis, I appreciate your calling. I don't know how much courage it takes to call in and talk about your own life on the public radio. What if the Bible never existed? Where would Dennis be? What would your life be like? How has it been impacted by that book and its message? Well, I would have been in the boneyard or in the uh, Green Bay State Penitentiary in Wisconsin uh, because I was a career criminal. Until I was 25, I uh, had another career criminal, a Puerto Rican guy by the name of Cartagena, Jose. He was a dope addict that lived next to me. He had a shoplifting crew. Dennis, how do you get into a career like that? Do you study that in high school? Is that <laughs> Well, I tested work, and I tested robbery, and a robbery got me a lot of money real quick, and I loved it. It was uh, very lucrative for me. Robbery, burglary, and lifting auto parts, cases of cigarettes, liquor. And the money came in so quick, I, I just couldn't work anymore. I got hooked on it. So that's how I made a living, you yeah. know, and um, I didn't believe in God. I never even saw a Bible. I never heard the name Jesus or Buddha or Muhammad. Where I grew up, there is no Baptist churches or Bible churches. But anyway, Cartagena started knocking on my door one winter, and he says, Hey, Blondie, I got saved, man. I got saved. I accepted Jesus. I, I had no idea who he was talking about. He had this black book in his hand. I, I didn't know what the book was. I had no idea. And he kept telling me I was going to hell. And my father used to say anybody that believed in religion was from the South. Hillbillies or cowboys or, or real ignorant people. He said northern people, Germans like us, were too intelligent to too sophisticated. Well, we were, we were what you call German rationalists. You know, that's free thinkers. They free say thinkers. Yeah. Hey, let me ask you a question. How did you understand that phrase "going to hell"? I just knew it was something not good. I didn't believe in the devil for sure. Yeah. I did not believe in anything I couldn't see, feel, touch, or taste. I just thought about money around the clock and females. That's all I could think yeah. about. Well, how did you react to his message? Did it take you a long time to come around? Or well, yeah, it took me a full month. The guy would not leave me alone. 
alone. He kept knocking on my door and bothering me and driving me crazy. And I told my girlfriend to tell him I wasn't there. And he finally dragged me kicking and screaming to this Bible study in Milwaukee. And they opened this musty old book telling me some guy died on the other side of the world 2,000 years ago. And that by my believing in his sacrificial death and his shed blood, I'd have eternal life. That's what blood, you know? So interesting. To make a long story short, I received Christ that night. I'm sure it was a baby step, but it was a real first step, right? I was kind of worried about this hell thing. I said, if there is a place <laughs> like that, I know for sure I was going because I didn't have a conscience like a normal person. So your I friend, could... did you see any changes in his life? Oh, yeah. He was a tough-looking guy with a big poncho via mustache and tattoos all over. And he was a typical, well, the police call us hoodlums. The guy really upset me, but I'm glad now that he kept pounding me with that book. From the time it took for you to take that baby step of trusting him, when did it begin to actually change you from the career criminal to wherever he's brought you today? Well, I quit drinking, smoking, and using the F word, every other word. I quit going to the clubs and the heavy booze and the cigarette smoking and the theft and all of that and fornicating. I was a big fornicator, too, and adulterer and everything else. I gave all that up, and then uh, I came to Texas, Then I started sliding back, back into the world. I started drinking again, chasing women on the beach. Uh-huh. See, I didn't get settled in the faith for 11 years. I started listening to John MacArthur and checking my Bible. I lived on an Indian reservation. The Apache reservation? Sure, yeah, I know. I'm, a, I'm Mescalero Apache myself. I started studying the Bible, and I finally started rightly dividing Scripture. Wow. It took many years. If you don't yeah. rightly divide the Bible, you're... And there is a process in every human life by which we begin to internalize the details of the message for our individual lives, the context in which we live. We don't have much time left, and I want to just find out, where are you today, Dennis? I'm learning to suffer, that's for sure. The Bible talks about suffering all over the place in trials and tribulations. They don't knock me down like they used to. We have free grace by the shed blood of Jesus Christ. Amen, today. It's amen. so wonderful. Lord, I pray for Dennis tonight, for him and his wife. I thank you for his life. We're not any of us what we ought to be, but Dennis is not what he used to be either. We're still growing. We're still progressing. Works in progress of your grace. So I pray for him. I pray for his wife. I pray that by your spirit, you invade their experience, and by the power of your truth, your word, that you would liberate each of them from anything that holds them back from being the man, the woman of God that you created them to be. Thank you that Dennis called in to talk about what if the Bible had not existed in his life. He is in Indeed, Lord, a trophy. Unfinished, as we all are, but he is a trophy of your grace and goodness, and we give you praise for him. Maybe you're not a down-and-outer like Dennis has been. Maybe you're an up-and-outer as a wonderful lawyer friend of mine. He was the head of a huge law firm, very popular, very charismatic, very rich. But he still came to understand that he needed God in his life. You can make the same decision. That's the message of the Bible. God loves us. There is a real problem. Apart from God, we are human beings trapped in our fears, trapped in our selfishness, and in our own sinfulness, actually. I is the middle letter of the word sin. When everything revolves around I and me and mine, that is the essence of what the Bible calls sin. Instead of honoring God, desiring the Lord, and committing our lives to obeying him, we want to make ourselves the center of the universe. And that attitude works itself out into actions and works itself out into words and to a lifestyle. Sin bears its fruit in human suffering, just as righteousness bears its fruit. The truths of God's Word, when they are taken and understood and applied to a human life, they transform and change a life from a life of selfishness to a life of giving and loving, a life of purpose and meaning, desiring the best for others. Now, you may be thinking, well, that's not true. You're just being really idealistic. There are a lot of people who call themselves Christians, and you don't see that in them. Well, we're not talking about religion tonight. We're not talking about everybody that has a collar around their neck or a cross around their neck or every building that has a cross on it being a genuine, true representation of those who know and love God. 
one of the great problems of our era. Well, every era, the whole Bible talks about it. Almost every book talks about false teachers, false prophets. There are those who hate God, resist God, and specifically we talk about a spiritual power, spiritual forces at work that try to influence against God and goodness and salvation. One of their methods is to directly deny and contradict the truth of God with other philosophies, with other understandings of God. But the most effective of their tools seems to be to counterfeit the real thing, take the truths of God's Word and get as close as they can and try to use the same language, the same God words, Jesus words, Bible words, church words, the same vocabulary, but without the essence without the relationship with the true and living God at the core. That's when you have twisted, perverted religiosity. It was one of the great enemies of Jesus' time. The Messiah was killed because of false, empty, shallow, perverted understanding of religiosity. What was truly presented to mankind was taken and counterfeited. And it is today in so very many ways. So all of these things are part of the story of what if the Bible were never written? That's what I'm talking about tonight. I'm doing a very poor job, I know, because it's so vast in all of these areas that I've mentioned, morality, society, education and law and politics and public policy, science and exploration, literature, finally about the little things of life, these quotes of the calendar, food, language. Uh, The Bible has impacted human experience and the quality of human life. Individually, we can respond to his truth that we are sinful, that we are caught up in ourselves, putting ourselves first with all of our fears, all of our prejudices, all of our egotism and our desires for self-aggrandizement and self-promotion, that we're all about self. We want the glory. We want the credit instead of humbling ourselves before the true and living God, a holy God and saying, God, I need you. I need a Savior. And sometimes it's circumstances of life that bring us to that. A broken marriage, a financial stress, a lost health, just an emptiness inside. Climbing to the top of the ladder of success and finding that your ladder is leaning against the wrong wall. Maybe that's where you are. Tonight, surrender your heart and life to God. Say, God, I need you, and I receive by faith the sacrifice of Jesus the Messiah, your son, who purchased my redemption by his own death and my salvation by his resurrection. See you next time.